Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, all. Uh, we're going to discuss the five playoff games, uh, that's, you know, the five playoff series that started uh, last night. Some, in- some interesting and some entertaining hockey but what, I wanted to go off on a little bit of a tangent here at the beginning like we like to. Um, I had an experience this morning regarding just going to the bank like everybody else does or, you know, frequently. A lot of people use ATMs now because they don't want to deal with people. And some now I understand. Yeah. Some of them even scan the checks, Mike, and they don't have to leave the house. Yeah, I don't do that yet, but some do. No, I, I don't. I don't trust. I don't trust that. I'm not. I'm technologically advanced for my age, but I'm not that far. But yeah. so – I, you know, I I needed to go to the bank to make a deposit, go in there. It's 930. There's three people in the place. So I'm thinking in and out in two minutes. And the guy who's at the window and the guy who is the teller are friends. And they're talking about basketball and this and that. And I'm standing there for 10 minutes waiting for these guys to shut up and one of them to walk out so I can get my money deposited and get the hell out of there. And it just kept going and going. And no matter what I did, Russ, looking at the guy, like, you know, like sort of stomp, you know, tapping my foot, nothing. They just kept going on. It's customer service. I mean, customer service has really taken a hit in the last couple of years in a lot of different industries. Obviously we've seen it in the airline industry. I no longer enjoy flying. So I drive as much as possible. Uh, you see it in the restaurant industry, not for the high, the high level restaurants get it. But if you're going to like a corporate restaurant, you're just sort of cattled in and cattled out. And a lot of times, oh, you have to wait. Okay. You know, like the wait's not a big deal anymore. It is for, for me. I, I personally, if I'm spending good money, I won't wait more than 15, 20 minutes. After that, I'm done. I don't care what kind of place it is. Well, I'll, I'll say, and I won't name the, the, the name of the establishment, but mm-hmm. a, a, a nationwide steakhouse um went there with a friend i would say a couple months ago and you know i'm not one of these people who, like if it's one bit over medium that i'm going to send the send the steak back if it's, if it's right. pink like i like my steak medium and if it's medium well and it's got a little pink in it i'm fine so but i got you know i asked for medium and i got basically gray medium well done for yeah, my steak yeah. with the with the with the fat on the on the outside of the steak you know crispy and i'm like i i don't know whether to, to complain because you always know what it happens with you know at least in your mind when you complain about something and the food goes back to the kitchen what ends up happening yeah I, and i know that you know that's that's your imagination running wild but still it's like but the, like to your to your point you're being put in and they want you to get in, eat, and get out as quickly as possible. Now, what I'll tell you about that, because I, I was in hotel restaurants, and I did spend a lot of time working in restaurants. Sometimes that is a function of the expediter because he left it under the lamp too long because either he didn't get it expedited quick enough or the waitress or waiter didn't get there fast enough. Whatever it is, 
you don't care as the customer, right? Like you need, you want it a certain way, you should get it a certain way. Even like in this situation with the bank, it's like, look, they make you feel like an outsider at that point. Like you're interrupting somebody's private conversation. You should never feel like that. You're the one who's putting money in their bank, making them money by you doing that. But yet when that happens, that's what ends up happening. I mean, I've been, you know, in, in the service industry and gotten graded on that many times. And now I kind of think that that's gone by the wayside. I'm not sure in a lot of these industries, they are getting graded anymore. And so I think, I think they take people for granted. And I'm not saying it's every business. The really good ones still do well and still make money, but it's just a little bit of a buyer beware now. And I'm one of those guys that if I see that you're slacking in that department, I'll go elsewhere. Yeah, and, uh, and last thing about this, I, I used to be a you know back in my twenties, I used to be a manager of a of a movie theater, and you know we would grade employees and even you know like the managers on customer service, and I can tell you now I wasn't the greatest at customer service, you know like because you know, customers can be annoying, but compared to the way they are today, I was a sweetheart. Because you know you want you, you want to please the the customer you want because pleasing them makes the problem go away. Yeah. You know if if you exacerbate the problem, then all that's going to happen is they're going to write a letter to the to the to the boss and everybody gets in trouble. I so I, I one, just I I give you one story, yep. one hotel story that sounds so far fetched but it's true. Guy comes down to the desk. He goes like, "You need to see the manager," and I'm the manager. And he, he throws down a bunch of money on the counter and he goes, I want my money back. This money got burned. And it was, it was burned. It was literally burned at the edges. I said, well, how did this money get burned? He said, well, I put it on my lamp by the door. That's where I hit it. And when the maid came in for turndown service, obviously the light bulb went on and it burned up my money. I want my money back. And this guy's screaming like a lunatic, right? I said, let me see the money. So he, you know, he pushes it all over to me. I look at it. I'm like, all the serial numbers are there. Just go to the bank down the street and they'll refund your money, sir. He goes, are you kidding? Really? And I'm like, yes, really. And use our safe next time. Don't hide your money on a lamp. And he goes, okay. And after, for the rest of that guy's stay, I was his buddy. And, and you know, unfortunately, that's the kinds of situations and I've had worse too. But that was one where... You do have to think quickly, but again, you are there to, to help the customer. Yeah. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Thursday, April 13th, 2017. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm customer service friendly, Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Well, we had five games in the NHL last night, but I want to start with the, the coaching uh, situations that are quickly resolving themselves in the NHL. We mentioned, uh, I think it was after the show yesterday, that Ken Hitchcock, uh, or it was before because I think we talked about it, that Ken Hitchcock was going to be hired as the Dallas Stars coach. Now the details came out that it is a multi-year deal, and on after his coaching tenure that Hitchcock will be part of, I guess he'll have an advisory role with the Dallas stars. So it, it doesn't sound like a one year situation, one and gone. Right. It sounds, it sounds more similar to what he had in St. Louis until the end, until that one year extension when yo came in. So this is a longer commitment than we thought Russ. Yeah. Uh, you know, money talks and he's obviously comfortable being out there. He liked living out there. I, you know, I, I had chats with him about that before. Again, we'll see what he does. I 
Don't know if this is the best move that the Dallas Stars could make. It's certainly not the worst. We'll see. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's to me with, and I understood what St. Louis was doing, especially after they signed him to that last one-year contract, bringing in the heir apparent. Um, I mean. I don't know whether that will be done in Dallas, whether they'll bring back a guy like Kirk Muller to be the one of the assistants and then he would take over or something of that nature. But it just, I mean, we know what Hitchcock is. Hitchcock is there to do a quick turnaround. He's there to shore up their defensive uh, situation, and that's going to be a, a really big, big uh, aspect of his work because – because uh, you know, right now he his his situation. I mean, that that team's defensive situation. They have a lot of young talent, but nobody who I think is really a stay-at-home type, unless you consider maybe Alexiak a stay-at-home type. I player. mean, could Alexiak get better under Hitchcock's tutelage? It's possible, and so we'll see. But otherwise, you're right; they don't have that guy. Yeah. Now, the other coaching situation that started to sneak out last night. Uh, Gerard Gallant, the former coach of the Florida Panthers, has been hired as the the new bench boss of the expansion Vegas Golden Knights. I haven't heard a term on the deal, but I would assume it's going to be four, at least four or five years because yeah, I would think so. it doesn't make sense if it's anything le- anything less than that. Um, no, Russ, I, I like I said from the very beginning, it made no sense to hire a veteran coach, mm-hmm. a guy like Hitchcock for Vegas, unless. You know, they just wanted to establish they wanted to retire there. You know, right? But Gallant, Gallant is a that's a that's a long term solution. What do you what do you think of this hire? It's a good hire. I I have to believe it took this long because other teams were interested in him, and he wanted to see what else was out there. He'll tell us it was his number one choice. Do I believe that? No, I don't believe that this was his number one choice. But it's a good choice. McPhee made a good hire here. They do have good management there. Now all they need is players, and that's going to be the hardest part. Like that's going to be, again, Gerard Gallant will be paid to watch them lose for a few years, two, three years, and and he might. And you know, for all that we think that this expansion draft is going to be, it could still be pretty dreadful. Because even if the names look good on paper, when they get there, they might start getting injuries. They're not going to have depth, no matter what. They're not going to have depth, you know, and that's going to hurt them if they have any of their players that they get from this expansion draft if they get injured. The biggest hyperbole, the biggest misrepresentation that I have heard in the last 12 months regarding any aspect of the NHL is the fact that Vegas would be con- uh, not a contender, but a but playoff caliber team in year one. There is not a chance in hell. That I'll that take team- that bet in Vegas right away. Yeah, no, there's no way. I'm sorry. I don't care if George McPhee gets every, you know, every favorable trade, every piece that he's looking for. There is no way that they are if making the Arizona Coyotes can't make the playoffs. How is this team going to make the playoffs? I mean, I mean that's realistic. That's going to see. That's going to be the bet. Can they be better in their first year than the Arizona Coyotes? Right. That's a reasonable bet. Then I'd say, okay, let me look at things and and see. That's more reasonable. But yeah, there's there. They will not get within twenty points of a playoff spot. That, I, I'm fairly confident of that. Okay, so let's move on to the games. Start in the start in the Eastern Time Zone and work our way west. Uh, game one of the Rangers Montreal game, as expected, pretty tight defensive contest. Yeah. Rangers win two nothing. Uh, Rangers win two nothing. Tanner Glass scores the game winner in the first period. 
Uh, <laughs> yes, I know, Tanner Glass. It was a prayer. I mean, he, he lifted a backhand. It seemed to, to – it went top shelf. It surprised Price. It was in the crease. Can he do that again? Probably not because he scored two in his last 61. But, you know, this is what happens. I mean, this is playoff hockey. This is why I mentioned yesterday in two or three of our previews, mm. you always look at those big names, and then you have to look beyond that because a lot of times the big names don't get the big goals. Well, I watched, I watched most of this game. And the, the thing that I – I mean, first of all, Lundqvist played remarkable. Um, yeah, and- he was great. His career numbers against Montreal are not great. Like I think I said yesterday, under 900 save percentage, under 500 record. He was great. But as I, as I analyzed this series yesterday, Montreal had maybe four or five good scoring chances. Not, not, many, not many more than that. And, and probably the best one was the Byron uh, shorthanded chance. Either that or the we- or the Weber chance that uh, that Lundqvist made like high on his shoulder. Uh, I think I think well, that was actually in- and then the one other real good one was with the three three turnovers Rick Nash had in his own zone three yes. in yeah. one session in one sequence. But I mean, it was it was less Lundqvist standing on his head and more the fact that Montreal could not generate yes. offense. They had a, a number of power plays that. New York penalty killing was was really good. Claude Julien uses Galchenyuk on the fourth line wing and starts Deneau as their number one center. Can't do it. I, I know, and but the, but the thing is, is like it's clear. I mean, he play, he was their coach since mid February. He had a chance to evaluate Galchenyuk, and he came up with the same conclusion that Michelle Terrian did that he can't be trusted playing up the middle. But he needs points, so you got to put him higher. Like you just do. And you and I were talking before the show, <clears throat> and I think they're going to have to use someone like Tori Mitchell. They're going to have to get someone in there with a little bit of experience, with a little bit of, of scoring potential besides what they have because they just didn't generate enough. Radulov didn't generate enough. That, he was very disappointing. You look at that, and, and, and that, that, was, that was kind of tough. I don't think the Rangers' defense was sp- spectacular. I think Girardi was excellent and McDonough was excellent. Look, Nick Holden got through the game with with not being great, but they had some things to say about uh, Nick Holden's play, as you as you yeah. heard on the broadcast. And Brendan Smith, with his typical at least one penalty a game, usually more, I, you have to really limit his play. And so they they got away with one. Carey Price was great. He gave yeah. up one goal. The other goal was an empty net goal. So for people who want to sort of say, well, Carey Price, yeah, listen, Carey Price played almost as good as Lundqvist. And if in some cases you could say he played better because he had to face a lot tougher shots. Now, and as you pointed out, Pacioretty, he collided, I think it was in the second period with Girardi. He, he it was basically, he went into the corner, tried to hit Girardi, and his face hit the left shoulder of Girardi, the shoulder pad. And yeah. you could see he was, he was in pain, in yeah. great pain on the bench yeah. for, a, for at least a couple minutes. And you know, I really didn't notice him a lot last night. And he's got to be—he's got to be one of their best players for them to have a chance to win. Yeah, it um, hurt the, their play. It, it definitely hurt their play a bit. Um, you know, what was interesting is this was Lundqvist's tenth playoff shutout. That's a big deal. <coughs> Ten's a big deal. That's that's pretty um, pretty impressive. But there's a lot of massaging of numbers going on here. Like I saw online, well, the Rangers have won like eight out of ten against Montreal recently. Well, how many of those starts were anti-Ranta? Ranta right. has played quite a bit in Montreal, actually. 
And so, you know, there's there's a lot of massaging of numbers going on. The Rangers played well. They won the game. We'll see what happens next game. They're smart enough to know the whole dynamic could change. Anytime I've ever watched the Canadians lose a playoff game in my career of watching hockey, I know that they will make at least one change, maybe two. They are never a team to stand pat. So they'll do something. The series isn't over, obviously. And maybe the Habs should mix it up by trying another anthem singer. Um, okay, um, now the other the other uh, Atlantic uh, Division uh, playoff series was Boston versus Ottawa, and we I think I described this as you know a war of attrition between the two yeah. teams because their defenses were so devastated. Now the game ended up a two-one game. Very close contest. Uh, Brad Marchand scores the game winner with about two minutes and 30 seconds left to go in the third. The thing that you, I, I look at this game is Ottawa is in control, one nothing on a – I think it was Bobby Ryan's goal, and Boucher goes into the 1-3-1. One, one. They, they play shutdown, and Boston does not get a shot on goal in 25 minutes. They get no shots on goal in the second. First shot on goal in the third is Frank Petrano. He ties up the game. Now – I mean, you could say that's bad luck, but I mean that's the that's that is the thing, you know. That's the experience, the clutch yeah. players that they have, the clutch goal scoring. That's when you have guys like that. And even Petrano's got a little bit of experience under his belt now. That's the difference that, that could happen. You could dominate a game and still lose a game. Like that's definitely what was going on there. On the plus side, McAvoy played twenty four minutes, played great. For all the people that were worried, look. He's going to have some hiccups. There's no question about it. But Boston knows what they're doing and where they should play him and the responsibility he can do. Again, he he's not a an 18-year-old kid. He's not. So there's a difference here. Well, the thing I was surprised at, I mean, we know, you know, with Krug out that they, you know, the point man on the power play, I thought was going to be John Michael Lyles. It ended up being McAvoy, a 19-year-old playing his first NHL game, and he's the point man on the Bruins power play. And, you know, they did fairly well. I mean, they, I know they only scored yeah. two goals, but, you know, he played 24 minutes. He didn't seem out of place. They were at five defensemen for a sizable period of time because one of the Miller, one of the Millers on defense, I think it was Colin Miller, got hurt in the second period and ended up coming back. But, I mean, this is the thing. Ottawa, at most the point, at most points in that game, dominated it. They were up. They, you know, they had the advantage. Um, but I never thought they were in control. And, and Boston was able to turn things around and win the game. Where, where I'm a little concerned is looking at a guy like Eric Carlson. Um, he played, a, you know, the usual amount of minutes that he normally does, but he did not look like the Eric Carlson before this leg or, or foot injury, his, his lateral movement was limited. His straight line speed was fine, but his ability to weave in and out was not there. So if he's at 50, 60%, uh, I think Ottawa's in trouble. They're in trouble in that regard. He's banged up. Uh, great goal by Bobby Ryan, that first goal. That was massive. We haven't seen Bobby Ryan make a move like that in a while. You would have thought that that really would have lifted him, and I guess it did temporarily – this is this is a tough series for Otter to win. I, I don't think Otter was winning this series. I just don't. It did it did temporarily, but the problem is is that when they get up, Boucher's first reaction is to drop into that one three one to sh right. play shutdown. You can't play shutdown with two periods left to go. Now here's to show you how smart Charlie McAvoy is. They said, "Hey, have you ever faced the one three one?" He goes, "Yeah, Merrimack, like three four weeks ago when they played us." 
they had the one three one. So like like this is the the kid knows the position. Like he he's really ahead of his time as far as the intellect for that position. And I thought, wow, for a nineteen year old to to give that answer to the press after your first playoff game, pretty awesome. Now, the game that I thought was going to be the most entertaining, I told you this before the show, ended up to me being the, the most boring game of the five. And that was – After uh, the warm-ups. The warm-ups was exciting. Well, and, and let's, let's talk about that first because Matt Murray got injured in the warm-ups. Nobody knows exactly what it is, but the way he was very tentative getting off the ice on the bench and down the tunnel, it looked to be a groin. Yeah, it looked it looked like a groin injury, and you know, with, for a goaltender as you know acrobatic as Murray is, a groin injury is something that's probably not going to keep him out a game or two. It's probably something that's going to keep him out a while. Keep him out a while. So it, it's it's fortuitous that the Penguins have a Stanley Cup winner as their backup, and Mark Andre Fleury starts the game, and uh, Columbus outshot Pittsburgh. And Tristan Jarry is now the backup, which yeah. again pushes this. This helps the Penguins in a way because it pushes Jerry into the spotlight now into a spot where he may be next year. But again, we don't know now because with Murray hurt, nothing's a guarantee with what's going to happen with this expansion draft and everything else. I know they say they're sticking with Matt Murray. We don't know what this injury is. Like, you know, hockey's a weird sport. Mark Andre Fleury has quietly hung around and he was really happy that he got to play that game. Am I going to tell you now, guaranteed that Mark Andre Fleury won't be there next year? Not until I see Matt Murray playing. No. Well, I I also think Russ, you know, based on the fact that Vegas is not going to be looking for you know, sort of now goaltenders, but goaltenders of the future, it opens up the possibility of Jerry being the pickup. You know, because he'll be exposed. He's not. He's not exempt. He's he. he I mean, if they protect Murray. Flurry and Jerry are are available. Right. So I mean, it's you know he's twenty what twenty one years old. I mean that's might that might be what, yeah. that might be what Vegas wants. You have a goaltender who plays in the American Hockey League for another year, doesn't get you know uh, exposed or burned out by facing forty shots a night in the NHL. I mean that might be the direction. But anyway, so we so Flurry's in for Murray. Um, that. And and Columbus outshoots Pittsburgh sixteen to three. It's nothing, nothing after one. Columbus really missed out on their opportunity to get the advantage over the Penguins. Penguins come out three goals in the second period and cruise to a three-one victory. Um, it's funny because we talked about this yesterday about Bobrovsky. He only had three shots in the first, and then he sort of crumbled in the second period when his team needed him. Well, there was a point where I guess they were up two-one. And two nothing. Two nothing. Two nothing. Yeah. There was that goal that happened. I guess as a whistle should have been called, but it wasn't called, and it froze Bobrovsky for a second, and it froze one of his defensemen for a second. And I don't know if it was Seth Jones. I'm not sure who it was. Whoever it was, Bob should know better. Everybody should know better at this point that you play into, you just play through. It doesn't matter until you hear the whistle. You play. You don't play expecting to hear the whistle and just like basically stop what you're doing and lose your focus. And and that turned out to be a huge goal. And I just this is what I worry about with Sergei Bobrovsky. Like this is he has these little quirks in his game. You can't do this in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Just the slightest little just 
just like little deviation from attention and you're screwed. Well, it was curious because Pierre Maguire interviewed Torella during like one of those TV timeout situations, and he asked him whether Columbus to win that series had to be the more physical team and uh, pressing the the Penguins, and Tortorella sort of agreed with that and said, yeah, I, mean, I think we have to be more physical. I think we have to forecheck more to, to be in this game. But the thing was that Columbus really didn't do that for the entire game. Only after they scored their only goal with about, I think, eight minutes left to go in the third period did they really step up the attack and step up the forecheck to try to get back in the game. So, I mean, I think it was a missed opportunity for Columbus, but if Columbus is going to win this series, which I predicted them to do, they have to get in the kitchen of the Penguins. They have to rock Crosby. They have to get on their defense without Latang. And I didn't see a lot of that last night, Russ. No, but you have to believe it's coming next game. If it's not, I then have to question towards. Because there's no way you could have thought that you're going to match up player for player against Pittsburgh. Even in their weakened state, there's no way. Just like I told everybody on the show yesterday, Brian Rust has more playoff goals than anybody, you know, that practically anybody on Columbus, and he got another goal yesterday. Like, they, they are very deep, the Penguins. The Blue Jackets aren't as deep, and they aren't as experienced, and they really need to take advantage of their size. That's the only thing that's really going to help them here. Otherwise, my prediction in five looks pretty good. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, if they keep playing like this, yeah, but this is, this is the thing. The guys who I thought were going, to, were going to be difference makers, who were going to, who could change the direction of that series, they didn't match up Dubinsky against Crosby. They they matched up, you know, Carlson at times and you know Wenberg at times. It didn't seem like they were paying any special attention to Crosby, which I think is a mistake. But also Dubinsky gets underneath Crosby's skin. They didn't take advantage of that. Hartnell was barely noticeable. Boone Jenner was barely noticeable. I mean, to to throw Crosby and Kessel off their games, you have to rock them. You have to hit them, and you they do. didn't do it. And Kessel definitely made another good play. We always forget to mention Kessel, and then he always comes to the forefront. Uh, I just, you know, Torts probably deluded himself into thinking my system will overcome me worrying about keying on Sidney Crosby. Now I think he has to bring his system back to the drawing board. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, moving west, the both games – uh, west of the Mississippi went into overtime, and uh, for that case, an old guy like me fell asleep before overtime and had to watch the replay to to get the overtime goals. I admit, I admit that I I watched the replay, but only because I had this lousy tennis elbow that really is. I have a brace on right now. I'm in pain, and I just couldn't take it anymore. So I had to go to sleep. Well, I have to say, for a one-one game, St. Louis and Minnesota was pretty damn exciting. Um, especially, I have to have to tap tip the hat to, to Jake Allen. I mean, he made over forty he saves. He he made a, he made an unbelievable save middle of the third period that actually Zach Parise kept the puck out of out of the St. Louis net, not not, not on purpose, but but Allen had made a fantastic save and he made a great glove save and they cannot remember who it was on, but it was a a really great glove save. I think it was. I think it was on Jason Zucker. Yeah, I think I think you're right, but yeah. but with twenty Zucker really had two or three prime scoring chances, as did a lot of players on the Wild. I mean, yeah. they really did. But they and you know after after uh, and 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 Ross after 
Vladimir Sabotka scores the goal, the, the the first goal. I immediately thought of you and and the, the discussion we had about the contract, and how, I'm sure how Chuck Fletcher wishes that the, yeah. the rules were not that way. Well, yeah, because I mean, you knew he would be a factor in the series. I mean, that both that goal really did go off Christian Follett and did change direction. You can't blame Dubnik on that on that goal, but yeah, I mean, was I surprised he was a factor? No, that's why I brought it up because I just. You know, these, there's these little things that always are in the rules of the game that that let teams have an unfair advantage at times, and that, to me, was one of them. But whatever. Minnesota played great. Parisi scored a late goal, getting the monkey off his back for the other, you know, goal that he could have had, but he prevented. <laughs> that was a crazy play. Um, Jake Allen played way better than I – I remember seeing him play in the playoffs before, so clearly Martin Brodeur has done a nice job with him. But Jake Allen, get some new pads. Those are the ugliest pads that we've <laughs> seen in a decade, maybe more. Uh, yeah, the, the, you mean the blue oh. and yellow? You don't like the blue and yellow pads? Oh, they were they were awful, awful, awful. But well, and, I, and I'm I'm struggling here to find the box score just because I want to find out how many shots. I know that late yeah. in the third period, I think the shots were 46 to 16. Yeah, it ended up being 50, 51 or something. Yeah. But 50, Joel, 50. Erickson, mm -hmm. Go ahead. Joel Erickson Eck played great. And I think if he continues to impose his will like that, he's going to help them get some more points. They couldn't have done anything more, Washington, um, Minnesota. They created a lot of offense. They did. And great scoring chances. I saw Bo Meester had one nice scoring chance. Otherwise, I thought he was not that great. Peter Angel played really great. Jordan Schmaltz played really well because he's the one who's filling now for, you know, uh, Shattenkirk, right? Did you think Jordan Schmaltz looked pretty good in that role? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, well, you know, honestly, when you don't notice somebody on defense, then they're doing a good, a good job. I thought but at the end of the day, other than the Tarasenko play to Edmondson in overtime, I got to tell you, I don't think St. Louis created enough offense. If no. they didn't get that goaltending performance, they would have probably gotten beat like 4-1. Well, see, and that was my that was sort of my point because I, I just looked at in regulation, the shots were were four over 40, I think it was 44 to 21. You know, Dubnik, I mean, he didn't play badly, but he only faced 26 shots, and he, and he lost the game. So it was a great effort defensively by Minnesota and offensively generating over 50 shots. But they didn't, they didn't, get, this, they didn't get the big save. Now, you can't blame him on the, on the Sabotka goal. You know, maybe you can blame a little, a little bit on the, on the game winner. But you have to be a little downtrodden if you're Minnesota to generate 52 shots on goal and only get one goal and your goaltender – giving up two and 26 shots. So, I mean, we'll see. I think Minnesota – It's a lot of math, Mike. It's a little too much math for me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm doing my best Ackland imitation. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but, yeah, I'm just saying, like, in game two, this is, this, is the, this is where there could be a turning point in the series. In game two, Allen does the same thing and gets into the psyche of Minnesota and they generate 45 to 50 shots and they beat them once. Then, and they're going to St. Louis down to nothing, then they're in trouble because, I yeah. mean, you know, they can't I don't know if that's going to again. I think, I think Minnesota will even up the series. I think they're going to play the exact same game and make Jake Allen do the exact same thing. And the final game was, uh, was um, Edmonton and San Jose. And I, okay, Edmonton comes out to, gets out to a 2 nothing lead 
Clef bomb scores early. Lucci. Nice goal by Clef bomb. Really? Nice goal by Clef bomb. Nice goal by Lucic on the power play in between the legs of Martin Jones. And he, I, I don't know. I got the sense from the broadcast crew and obviously the euphoria that was going on in Edmonton. Oh, you know, here, here comes the, you know, here's the great Edmonton Oilers. You know, finally they're, you know, we got Connor McDavid on. Yeah, put, the, yeah. put the throne, put the throne on his head. All the, okay. This is a young team. This is a team that still has some, I think, fatal flaws. Of course. And San Jose is a team that got to the Stanley Cup. And I think everybody, because Thornton was out, because Couture was not at 100%, that they sort of wrote this team off and everybody was picking Edmonton. They were the, they were the, uh, you know. Not everybody. Not everybody. I, I picked the Sharks in seven. I picked and, the Sharks in six, I think. So, you know, San Jose stabilizes things. They, they they score a goal, they tie up the game, and then Melker Carlson scores in overtime. I'm not saying this is going to be a short series because I think Edmonton's got a lot of talent. I do think, though, that in, you know now there's no rush to bring Thornton back. Maybe they can sit him out game two because they're playing with house money and they can give him a few more days rest. But this is a team that did not get tested seriously until they got to up to Pittsburgh last year in the final. They dominated against L.A. They dominated against Nashville. They dominated against uh, St. Louis in the conference final. So, I, you know, I think Edmonton is a little bit of trouble here. I saw good things out of Timo Meyer. I saw good things out of Hurdle. I saw basically, again, Patrick Marlowe making space for himself and getting shots. I, I saw a lot of good things even without Joe Thornton. And, yes, is their power play hurt a little bit? Yes. Was that one of the best saves we've ever seen, like with Cam Talbot on Brent Burns? Yes. But Burns definitely should have passed the puck because he should have known that Talbot was going to follow him to the death because that's what a positional goalie does. He Talbot looked like a crab on the beach. He did, but he, you know, but he stayed with him, and he was far out of, the, far out of it. And Burns, I just I got I to gotta believe if he has a chance again, he, he would pass it. But at the end of the day – Jones played as well as you'd want him to, and I, I thought he weathered the storm well. Here's the thing. The euphoria about McDavid, and this is what I always try and warn people, he may not have a good playoff. I understand he got a point on one of the things, and I already saw people writing, this is just the beginning. You know, this is the NHL playoffs. Connor McDavid may not come in and dominate the NHL playoffs. It's very possible he's not going to, and people are showing gifts of his dangles. All those things are great, but if you don't win, they don't mean much. And it's not going to mean much to him either. He didn't dominate that game. Actually, San Jose did a nice job on him on that in that game. They did a nice job on Dreisaitl too. And so, and this is their veteran defense. Like you said, they have guys like Vlasic. And, you know, so this is where I – and Paul Martin, what a heck of a goal on him. Paul Martin's 85 years old, but he still knows when to go in and play offense. And – this is this is a dangerous San Jose Sharks team playing against an Edmonton team in their infancy who doesn't have a good enough blue line. Darnell Nurse on that last overtime goal when he went on the left side and I guess Griba was trying to switch, couldn't do it. Couldn't get back on the play, gave up a wide open chance in overtime. Mecca Carlson, I think it hit off the, the post and went in, but it went in. And so at the end of the day, you can't give the Sharks this many chances, and you can't blow a lead. I know they're a young team, but this is where I told you, Peter DeBoer, his teams don't panic. He knows exactly what to do. He knows who to double shift. I saw Pavelski out there a lot when it was important. 
He knows what guys to have out there. They're used to it. They came back and won. Not really a shock. And so much for home ice advantage because of the five games yesterday. Now, Scotty Bowman did talk about that in the first round, saying it's not that important. I guess stats back him up. I still do think it's important, though, because I do think the fans helped will Minnesota back into that game to tie sure. it. They may have been the loudest crowd of the night. I know everybody in Edmonton was thinking that they are probably the loudest crowd. Minnesota was pretty on fire. That was a, a pretty lively crowd. Um, I'd, like, more, I'd like to say this, though. I would like a $1, yeah, yeah, yeah. A $1 tax to be sent directly to my checking account for every Edmonton Oilers fan who bought one of those bad orange jerseys. Congrats to the Oilers fans for having the Stanley Cup of 50-50s. But then to see things online like, well, the Sharks only got 50000 Who cares? Are you battling for the 50-50 or are you battling on the ice? The Sharks have the advantage. That's all that matters. Shut up about the 50-50. Seriously, I, remember, I don't need to see another tweet about a 50-50 ever in my life. I don't. Are we really going to have like the? Is this going to be the future of the NHL to have yes. the to have the snarky team Twitter accounts battling each other during the playoffs? You know, like the LA Kings battling. Yeah. I mean, come on, how passe is that? Let's get past it's that. Ridiculous! It's like let's get past this. The only time I thought it was worthy of talking about a 50-50 was when Danny Briere won a portion of the Philadelphia Eagles 50-50 because we all looked at each other and said, doesn't Danny Briere have enough money? Why should he win part of the 50-50? But I don't want to see it being tweeted about. I don't. I think it's ridiculous. Stop it. It's nonsense. I don't care if you get 500000 on your next 50-50. If you lose the game, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, now we have three games tonight in the NHL, the opening games of the other three series. Um, starting off with Washington and Toronto, uh, as we discussed yesterday, Nikita Zaitsev will be out of the lineup. And that's. And it was interesting how that happened because originally Babcock was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he'll be playing. And then it was like, I don't know, he's not practicing, we'll see. And then it's like, he's definitely out. He's out. Well, he. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I, I thought I thought it was pretty funny yesterday. He says the one thing that's good about you know the medical the, the medical team handling this is that I can say you know when they tell me no, I can definitive basically definitively say no. Right. So he you know and now today he didn't skate again. So now it's been called it's being called into question whether Zaitsev will return for game two or right. whether they'll wait until game three in Toronto. Now, okay, for for some teams, and you know he's the the guy who had the second most amount of minutes behind Morgan Riley, but he was on their power second power play. He you know five on five, he was one of their matchup guys. Now. Martin Marinson comes in. Martin Marinson, I don't care how much Mike Babcock pumps him up, Martin Marinson is a terrible defenseman. Um, the only reason he's playing over Alexi Marchenko is apparently he, he's better uh, in, a, in a penalty-killing role because he's a big big guy with a long reach. I get that. But all this means is that more, it's going to be more minutes to, to uh, Hunwick, Riley, Gardner, Polak, and maybe Connor Carrick. I think going to play 27 minutes tonight. Yeah, I think – well, no, Jay, yeah, Jake Gardner will probably play close to about 25, 26 minutes, which if it's in an offensive situation, that that's good for the Leafs. If it's in his own zone, you know, <laughs> call the fire department. Because but we'll enjoy this game. Leaf Square will be going crazy. That'll be fun to watch. 
There'll be enough to fill three stadiums worth of Leaf fans if they wanted to in Washington. We get that. It's interesting that it's happening in Washington. There's a lot of stuff going on in Washington today, so I kind of wonder if that's going to be brought up on the broadcast because world events. We'll see how that sort of plays into it. I, I Listen, I, you know, sometimes the world does creep into sports, you know, so we'll, we'll see how that all works out. But at the end so, of the day – are you saying that Kim Jong-un is going to be in a corporate box at the – I mean, I don't know at this point. At the Capitals-Leafs game? I, mean, I don't know. I really don't know at this point. But I will say that this game will be fun to watch. I hope it's, it doesn't get out of hand. And it will be interesting to see if the physical nature of the game gets into it. We saw at least two or three physical games yesterday. I have a feeling this one will be two because of Wilson and Martin and guys like that. So – and Babcock's not going to shy away from that because it's to his advantage to sort of get that going. Well, it'll be to his advantage if he can draw if he can draw Washington Washington into penalties. If right. and like and I'm I'm writing I'm writing a column uh, that'll be posted a little later today in the afternoon about you know the four four or five things that the Leafs will you know that have to happen for them to win the series, and one of them is for Nazem Kadri and Leo Komarov to be as annoying as possible and get underneath the skin underneath the skin of Nik- Nicholas Backstrom and Ovechkin because if they can do that. Um, then they might draw those players into penalties. They might get under, you know, might throw them off their game. And then, in a sense, Washington becomes a one-line offensive team with Kuznetsov and uh, and uh, and Justin Williams. I think it's it's going to be tough because there's also T.J. Oshie on that line. That line has scored no matter what. So I, I don't think it's going to be very easy for Kadri and Komarov to throw them off, but it, it, it is possible. They are very annoying to play against. Now, I saw two really dumb things recently in sports, and look, nothing can top the Chris Webber timeout when you don't have a timeout as far as being dumb, but a couple of things came really close. In a baseball game the other day with the Phillies and the Mets, Cameron Rupp caught a foul ball, and as Drupal Cabrera was on first, he turns his back to the field walks up to the umpire, and I guess he felt like he could call time out. You can't call time out when the ball is in play. The foul <laughs> ball's in play. Cabrera takes second. Joe West looks at him and just shakes his head at him like, what are you doing? Now, last night, Michael Bodger, Bodger had an interference penalty off a faceoff. Yes. That is a ridiculously stupid play to try and think you could step in front of a guy after you have the faceoff and block his path so that you could try and get a goal. What are you thinking, Michael Bodker? That is, that was, I can't imagine Peter DeBoer was happy about that penalty. That was ridiculous. Well, Michael Bodker is my winner of the worst free agent signing of the year because remember he was traded up that way. He was traded. To, he was traded from Arizona to Colorado last playoff, last deadline, and then San Jose signed him to a four-year contract at about four million dollars a year. And I, I, I don't know. I, I know he had one goal up to like midway through the season. He probably ended up with you know, nine or 10. I, I don't, I'm not looking at the stats right now, but he just has not worked out as a, as a, as a, uh, you know, second, third line guy for San Jose. To me, it's wasted money. Um, okay. So the other two games, Chicago, Nashville, Russ, I mean, I've heard so many people say, Oh, I think Nashville is going to be the upset special of the playoffs. I think they could score how they score them. Yeah. I mean, I, that, well, that, then that's the thing. It's like, if they can score, yeah, sure. But I don't see them scoring on the Blackhawks. I don't see the I don't see the playoff pedigree of the Blackhawks all of a sudden disappearing. 
I, I think they're going to be the, what they've been the last few years. I mean, great, they lost in the first round last year. If you look at the lineup that they have now and the lineup that they had against St. Louis, the lineup now is so much better. So, you know, their defense is – It seems like they're going off of the Peter Laviolette factor more than you should be. I get that he likes to play wide open hockey. Even Pete Weber didn't think it was a smart idea to match wide open hockey with with the Blackhawks. I don't know if that's going to be the plan or not. I'm sure he's going to activate his defensemen to do as much as they can offensively. But this is an awfully deep Chicago Blackhawks team. Like the deepest they've been really since they won the cup. I don't know what, what people are thinking taking Nashville. I mean, look, we all have, you know, we all have opinions. We know what that's worth. We all like to pick games. That's fine. But this is really hoping against hope when we're talking about taking and even if even if Chicago drops the first game, I don't want to hear or see any stupid snarky tweets that say, Oh, look, look, Nashville's up. I don't care. Chicago will find a way, even if it goes to seven, even if they don't have their best series, Chicago will find a way. They always find a way. Yeah, and I'm trying to I'm trying to find out here looking to see if uh, okay, here, here you go. Fourteen minutes ago, John Gibson is the game one starter for the Anaheim Ducks against Calgary. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense, but I don't think it'll take much for Jonathan Bernier to be in there. Uh, that's just – They have to start Gibson. I mean, it was just going to be ridiculous if they didn't. Like, it just would have been dumb. I don't care what he did. It's regular season. We're through the regular season now. And so let's, you know, let's slow the roll on that a little bit. I'm trying to look up goals for, and I can't tell you the hard time I'm having because everybody switched over to the um, to the playoff <laughs> rosters. And now, yeah. all right, here we, so here we go. Nashville. Nashville scored 240 goals in the regular season. Chicago scored only 244, but Nashville gave up 224, and Chicago gave up 213. So clearly Nashville scored more goals than, than we're used to seeing. They scored more than St. Louis, less than Winnipeg, less than Minnesota, but now it's the playoffs. We'll see if they can do that. But there was big news, Mike. You missed the big news of the playoffs. I, I can't believe you buried the lead here. You've slept on it. The big news is there will now be three iPads on every bench in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh, my God, really? So the coaches can look at things and decide what's going to be challenged, and maybe this will speed things up. Three, Mike, not one, not two, but three. So in between periods, the coaches can go hunting on Craigslist for apartments using the iPad? Yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> you know, is big news. I mean, oh, I can't I mean, Apple, Apple's quarterly sales are going up because they got more iPads and more NHL benches. Yep. Oh, boy. So, yeah, we'll have three games tonight. Uh, we will discuss them tomorrow. Uh, probably we'll be having a show at 3 p.m. tomorrow, but we will let you know. Uh, good show, Russ. We'll be back. Hang on, hang on. I do have one more thing to report. Okay. Uh, people can watch the under-18s on, on the NHL Network. It just started this morning, and – the U.S. was up 7 nothing in their first game. But the big key player, and we'll see if you give me credit for this or not, Mike, because we've talked about this player because I brought him up to you, Oliver Wallstrom for the U.S. He's a 2018 draft pick. He's, he's a Harvard commit. 
He had two goals in a period. I think he had three or four points in that game. Keep your eye on this kid. This kid's going to be one of those top picks in 2018, along with like Svechnikov and Dalin. Yeah, and um, and one of the and the younger Kachuk, uh, Brady. Yeah, Brady. the younger Kachuk's playing on the same line with them, and uh, I didn't get to review everything yet, but it looked pretty good. But again, first game, easy opponent. There's yeah. a long way to go. It was Belarus, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Belarus. Kids got a lot of talent, though. That's the bottom line. The last thing, and um, this is not indicative of, you know, this going the direction of Jimmy VC, but and because it's he, he's going back for his junior season. But Jordan Greenway, who really opened some eyes at the uh, 2017 World Junior in Montreal for Team USA, um, he is returning for his junior year at Boston University. And there was some thought that, you know, Minnesota was going to try to sign him. Now you should I'm glad that they – I'm glad it's not working out that way. I feel like he needs to get a little more foot speed. That was me kicking kicking the garbage can. You know, my cat wants to be a part of the show. I, I just feel like Greenway needs to get a little bit more foot speed. Could he get a little stronger? Maybe a little. He's already a pretty much a beast in the crease, and he's got great hands. But let him get that NHL speed down before you start thinking about – switching him to professional hockey, let him go another year. Let him be a big deal there. Let him see if he can get a national championship. I'm all for this. Well, the thing that was curious, Russ, is that Minnesota knew nothing about the decision, at least that outwardly, that was the reaction they had, that we, we don't know anything about this. So it wasn't done in concert with them. It was basically him deciding, if, if taking everything at face value, it was him deciding, I'm going back. So that's why I'm like wondering is is this like the first step of him maybe turning pro after his junior year and seeing where he wants to sign because he doesn't think there's going to be room for him in Minnesota with all the forwards that they have maybe, maybe. and and you know what good for him let him go back nobody ever gets hurt by going back they really don't and let him just get bigger stronger faster I'm fine with it yep uh, now just I'll just plant this little seed It'll be the last thing I say. His brother, J.D., is a draft pick of the Maple Leafs. And Maple Leafs have a couple guys who are in USA hockey, like Jeremy Bracco and Austin Matthews, that I'm sure Mr. Greenway knows. And you can never say that that's that's an impossibility, that playing with guys that he knows in a situation like Toronto has might not be attractive to a potential free agent down the line like Jordan Greenway. Well, So we'll see. Oh, and by the way, in this house, anytime uh, Yoannis Cespedes hits a home run, we do this. <laughs> for for Russ Cohen, for his cat Anna, Anna, for for his for my favorite dog Kaya. Yeah, she's out there. She's outside. And Jordan, who's not sleeping on the couch. Jordan, I'm no, sleeping over here. Yeah. I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.